And at the end of eight days, he was circumcised. He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I got the recording started, just in case any of you were worried. I recorded 9.32, just in case I messed them up. Circumcision was a sign of the Old Covenant, performed on boys, eight days after their birth. It symbolized cleansing, purity, and marked them for membership in the nation of Israel and in the Abrahamic covenant, without which you were not a citizen of Israel, without which you were not a recipient of all the promises that God had made to Abraham. It was your engrafting into the community. Failure to be circumcised could be met with harsh punishments, to say the least. Moses failed to circumcise his son as God had sent him back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And the Lord met him on the road and was prepared to kill him. Zipporah, his wife, quickly circumcised their boy and and God relented. So circumcision was very serious to God. And that which is serious to God should be serious to us all. But why is Jesus circumcised? I mean, Jesus does not need purification. He was born holy, sinless, without original sin. There is no sin in him. And yet he had the right of purification applied to him as a little baby. The angel Gabriel, who gave him his name, could have easily said, and oh, by the way, Mary and Joseph, do not circumcise that boy. It is not necessary. Because he is holy. No, I guess that would have made a statement in and of itself. Now, back to the covenant for just a second. The covenant that God made with Abraham, and covenants are a common thing in the ancient Near East. They're not just simply found in the Old Testament. And these covenants are typically made with a suzerain, the greater king, and the lesser prince or vassal king. And how they did it was, and I know it says in your Bible that God made a covenant, but God didn't make a covenant with Abraham. God, and we don't understand this, he cut a covenant with Abraham. The Hebrew word is karat. He cut a covenant with Abraham. And so to make a covenant, you took one or more, sometimes three animals, and you cleaved them in half. And you laid their pieces upon the ground. And the suzerain and the vassal prince would lock arms and they would walk through the broken animals that, were, that had been hewn in half. And it made this statement. If I break this covenant, may I be like one of these animals? <laughs> right? Yeah. It was serious business. Death to a covenant breaker of a suzerain king in the ancient Near East. And so when God made the covenant with Abraham, we recall that the animals were, you know, split in half, but Abraham did not go through, interestingly enough. Only God did in the form of a smoking pot and a lamp. And that, of course, is because Abraham, nor any man born, was able to keep covenant with God. 
For it's a covenant of perfection. Walk before me in perfect holiness and you will live. And of course, since the fall of man, concupiscence, that that sickness that we're all born with, that we inherited from mom and dad, I got it from Earl and Patsy. They got it from their parents. They got it from their parents. They got it from their parents and so forth and so on, all the way back to Adam and Eve. He's unable to keep covenant. And so God keeps the covenant for us. And of course, the culmination of that is the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. But not only was it the animals were cut, but then the cut was placed on Abraham just to remind him and upon all of his sons and upon every Jew that would be a recipient of all the promises of life that God had promised to Abraham. So then why, back to that question, is Jesus circumcised? Well, we learn from the Apostle Paul that circumcision and baptism are in fact the same sacrament. The Old Testament circumcision was transformed in the New Covenant into baptism. And they represent the same thing, cleansing purity and membership in the covenant community. This time, the New Covenant. Of course, the change is is that there's no free or slave, Scythian or Jew, man or woman, but all are baptized. So not just the little boys, but the little girls. All receive the sign of the covenant of the New Covenant. But the answer to the question we find is in the, 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 the baptism of Jesus. Now, it's recorded three times, one in each of the synoptic gospels, uh, gospels um, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Those are the synoptic gospels, John being a little different. But in chapter 3 of Matthew, we read in verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And of course, that makes good sense, right? Continuing. And you do not come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so the reason why Jesus was circumcised is because he had to fulfill all righteousness. He had to obey the law at every single point, even submitting himself to the covenant that he instituted with man. He was the one that said, you're going to circumcise your little boys. And Abraham, you're going to circumcise yourself, though you be 80 years old. It was he that imposed it. He is the suzerain. And yet he submits to it that all righteousness might be fulfilled. In the same way, his blessed mother went to the temple to be purified. She did not need to be purified. In fact, she was still a virgin. But she did that because she's pure of heart and she's wise and pure of heart and body. And so Jesus sheds his first blood for us in the circumcision. Now, as I said before, circumcision is cleansing and purity, entrance into the community, and the same grace is conferred in circumcision that was conferred in baptism, but to a much greater degree. In baptism, the soul is washed clean of that that sin that I got from Earl and Patsy. And you got from your parents. Gone. And while concupiscence might remain in the flesh, the soul is is purified until, of course, the child grows up and starts saying no at the age of two and stealing cookies and lying about it and things like that. Nevertheless, that soul is as white as snow prior to that. 
But the grace is more efficacious because in the new covenant, we become the tabernacle of God. The apostle Paul tells the Corinthians, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Now in the Old Testament, the spirit came upon people as was necessary, but not in the new covenant. In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit indwells you. You may say, well, I don't particularly feel it. We're going to get to that in just a second. It is a greater blessing in the new covenant because it is a greater priesthood, because it is a greater sacrifice. But it is always our job to attempt to live up to it. We do this for two reasons. The first is because God first loved us. And so we want to be pure and sinless and spotless for him because he was perfect and sinless and spotless for us. So the love of Christ compels us to be better, to purify ourselves, to try to get rid of all sin, all near temptations of sin, all the thoughts, words, and deeds that we know we shouldn't do. Think, be. But the other reason is this is that the, that spirit, imagine that spirit inside your, inside your body lives inside a sort of glass house, okay? Wanting to commune with your soul. But every time you sin, you pick up a big hunk of mud and throw it at that glass house. And you continue to do that, and pretty soon the glass house, while the spirit's still there, the glass house will not shine inside you. You will not feel the warmth of the Spirit because you have so covered it with your own sin. And you do that willfully. I do that willfully. We all do that willfully. We need to clean that glass house that lives inside us because in there is the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit because as we live a pure life, then we will, we will commune with God. Who is it that sees God? The pure in heart. The pure in heart see God. It says so in Psalms, and Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Okay, and that's what we want. We want to see God. I finished with John 14, 21. I had it memorized until the last sermon. And then some evil came upon me. I don't know what it was. It was my memory, I guess. Find it here. Okay, there we go. He who has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. It is in there is there is freedom and blessing in purity and perfection, which we should always strive for. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.